stories like long lost friends Rodeos and late night bends History before our time Round pens and pasture rides Cowboys of the Osage Howdy, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Cowboys of the Osage podcast, brought to you by the Ben Johnson Cowboy Museum, located in historic downtown Pahuska, Oklahoma. It's old Cody over here, and as always, I have my old co-host with me, Mr. Rodeo Historian himself, Jimbo Snively. Hey, Jimbo, good morning. How you doing, and who do we have today? Hey, Cody boy. It's just another great day in the Osage, man. And, uh, Cody, we've got world champion bull rider Matt Austin with us today. And, Cody, he had arguably the greatest single season in the history of pro rodeo. In 2005, he won the PRCA Bull Riding World Championship and the NFR Average Championship with winnings of over $320,000 in a single event, eclipsing Terry Don West's previous bull riding record by over $100,000. He broke Ty Murray's 12-year-old record for money won in a single season, and Murray did it in three events, and, of course, Matt just worked the bull riding. Um, he won the championship bull riding tour and average titles, which paid, we won like 85000 in that. He won the Extreme Bulls Championship. He won the College National Finals Rodeo. And, of course, he won the Cheyenne. I mean, just, wow, just won everything you could win that year. And we're just tickled to have him with us today. And, uh, Matt, welcome to the Cowboys of the Old Sage podcast. Hey, good morning. Thank you guys for having me on. I'm looking forward to, to a great day. Matt, you, you grew up in a rodeo family or cowboy family, is that right? Yes, sir. My my granddaddy, uh, Boyd Austin, he, he grew up with, uh, you know, there around Mesquite and, and uh, was real good friends with, with Neil Gay. And, and uh, Neil would always, he'd laugh, and my granddaddy would tell me, he said, Neil would always save my granddaddy for last there at because he knew he was either going to make a really good rider or, or he was going to get wrecked out and hang up because he, he was pretty good about that. And uh, my Uncle Denny Austin, uh, he rode Saddle Bronc. And, of course, my dad, Lonnie Austin, he rode all three of them. Wow. So it was it was uh, it's kind of in my blood. Yeah. Did you do any roping? Uh, yes, sir. Growing up, uh, uh, I, I team roped and uh, rode Saddle Bronc horses. And, and uh, of course, I had a lot of opportunities growing up. Daddy had a rodeo company. We put on high school rodeos and amateur rodeos down here. So I was always picking up or roping bulls or, or something like that. And, uh, you know, that's, that's something that I would do in my, in my pastime is, is, is I love the team rope, you know, head hill steers and, and I used to go catch everybody's wild cows. And that was something I'd love to do also. <laughs> so the cowboy, the cowboy life's just always been in me. Hey, Matt. So yes, you, sir. you started off <clears throat> going to junior rodeos and high school rodeos. And what made you decide to primarily start focusing on the bull riding? Well, when I, when I first started college in, in 2002, and I could really ride saddle bronc horse really good. But, uh, you know, bull riding, I just loved the bull riding so much. And, and, and uh, you know, that's what I, 
I grew up wanting to do. That's the first thing I ever did. And, and, uh, you know, when I got out of college and, and got serious about it, of course the PBR had come along, but you know, me growing up, uh, watching rodeo, you know, it, it, it was, it the national finals was, was where to be. That was the place to be, you know? And to me, you know, the, the when the PBR come along, it, it done wonders for the bull riding, but you know, to me, it was more prestigious to, to, you know, the guys in the rodeo, they got to go to 75, 100 rodeos and you're riding in the snow, the rain, the heat, the blistering cold. And, and, uh, you know, you may be indoors, you may be outdoors. You got to be the absolute best, one of the best 15 in the world, you know, to, to, to go, go to the national finals. And to me, that was just more, more of a prestigious deal. You know, the, the, the rodeo way of life, the living out of your truck and your suitcase, you know, I, I love that stuff. <laughs> Who were some of your heroes growing up, Matt? Uh, of course, you know, my dad, my, my granddaddy was, was some of my heroes. Sure. And of course, you know, I, I looked up to Lane Frost and uh, Tough Hedeman, Clint Bronger, uh, Brent Thurman, uh, those guys like that, you know, the, the, the old school guys, you know, Denny Flynn. And, and of course, I watched a lot of the, a lot of the older guys, you know, that was kind of before my era because that's who my dad wrote with, you know, Ken Wilcox and and those type of guys right there is, is who I grew up. And, and those guys back in the day, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of, to me, there was not a whole lot of style to their riding. But what, what I loved about them guys is, is them guys knew how to bear down and try, you know. Right, right. You know, you see a lot of bull riders now, and I shouldn't be criticizing because I wouldn't get on one for a million dollars, but you see a lot of young bull riders that get on a bull, and, and, and as soon as they come out of shoot, it looks like they're looking for a place to get off. You know, and, and, and that, that's that's the bad thing, Jimbo. You know, and, and, and they, they've bred these bulls so much, now they're going to have to start breeding cowboys. You know, <laughs> and, and that's something that, you know, you look now, you know, you got all this technology and stuff like that. And, and I remember going to the little rodeos by the house when I was riding steers and stuff. And there'd be, you know, there'd be 15 to 20 steer riders and there'd be 30 to 40 open bull riders. And you don't see that anymore, you know. And, and you know, the, of course, the, the world has, has changed and, and, and uh, you know, but you don't, you don't, guys, nowadays don't don't grow up working or have that 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 try or the, or just that work ethic thing you know i'm I, I still get up and go to work every day and weld and bang on stuff and and you know but that's how my daddy raised me you know to, to be you know just tough and that that you don't you don't see a lot of that old cowboy mentality anymore you know it's kind of like when urban cowboy come out you know there wasn't a lot of cowboys but then urban cowboy come out well then there's a lot of cowboy had boots being so but you know, <laughs> right, right. but, but I, I know what you're saying. You know, I hate going to a deal and seeing 40 bull riders and one guy might make the whistle, you know, I, uh, uh, it's just a, it's kind of a different era now, you know? Right. It sure is. Well, I, I, I think it's too, guys aren't, the guys aren't hungry like they used to, you know, I've, I've been reading, uh, Barry Brown's book, the bionic bull rider, and it's a fascinating story. But them guys, I mean, they kind of lived from rodeo to rodeo back in the day. I mean, if they didn't stay on, they didn't they didn't eat. 
And and them guys, they did it because they absolutely loved what they did. And and I think that's something that you gotta you gotta have in 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 everything that you do. You gotta love what you do. And and you know, the old saying is, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Right. Right. Well, who who helped you in the bull riding as you were coming up? Oh, my dad. dad. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, I'll just have to say my dad, you know, and of course, uh, when I got serious about it, we built a pen there by the house and I had a couple of bulls we bought the cell barn. I'd get on riding and stuff. And, uh, but I was always going and riding and riding horses or doing something. Uh, you know, there, there used to be lots of buckouts around the houses and stuff. And I'd go to all them buckouts. And I mean, if they was, if there was a place to ride, we was going, you know, buddies might have a little pen and their daddies might be at work and we'd go pen all the heifers and we'd buck their heifers and stuff. And, and, uh, you know, it was just, uh, it was something that, you know, I just, I just loved to do. And, and if there was a place that they was bucking or, or had something to ride, I was going to go. And of course, you know, dad, he was, we was always trying different stuff. And, and uh, of course my dad would get on, and my dad, he's 60 something now. So he was, he was in his fifties and stuff when I was, I guess when I was really starting to go and he would get on bulls too there at the house with me. And we'd just try different stuff and, and we would, we would try things that work, you know, and, and my dad, he helps a lot of guys right now. He has bull riding schools and stuff. And he said, what made him a good teacher was, was teaching me because he, he try to see the different stuff that would work and stuff that wouldn't work. And, and uh, we just apply it and, and do different things, and that's kind of where our, we got our technique from, just trying different things and, and going back to the basics of, of bull riding. And, too, Jim, Jim Shoulder said one time, he said, the key to riding, riding bulls is staying on your rope. And, you know, uh, that's, you look at them old-school guys, they just stay on the rope. They slide up there, they stick their chest out and lift on the rope and get a hope. You know, they stayed on the rope, and they just – up to the basics there wasn't all this whooping and moving and all that stuff and that's a i help a few kids around the house and that's one thing that they've uh they've kind of that's their main problem is they go to whooping that free arm because they see it on tv well you can cut your free arm off it ain't it'll, it'll ride better without an arm than with an arm right. <laughs> so you know but, there used to be a one arm bareback rider up here uh jimbo we're Used to enter all the amateur rodeos and uh, prairie circuit rodeos up here. I don't remember what his name was, but I actually saw him get a no score one time for touching the horse with his free hand. <laughs> oh God! Yeah. How that happened? <laughs> I don't know. Must have been uh, you know what was left of his arm there a little bit. May have been rubbing yeah. on. Him, but yeah, I, I wish I could remember that guy's name. But yeah, there used to be a one arm bareback rider up in this this neck of the woods up here. I bet he, oh, man. I, think I bet he was, he was stout in that one hand. Probably could hold on. Yeah, a lot of those guys are pretty stout in that one hand when they're riding bareback horses, Jimbo. Yes, absolutely. Oh, absolutely on that. Hey, Matt, I've, I've been kind of wondering a couple things. And since I got a true blue, one of the best bull riders to ever live here on here, I, I'm going to ask you. So what is the difference in the American way of riding bulls and the Brazilian way of riding bulls. I've been seeing this on the PBR and stuff for the last few years. What what what's the main difference on those guys from down there and 
us from up here? You mean as far as the riding or just like the rope and stuff? The rope and stuff is pretty much what I'm meaning. Okay. Yeah, the rope, it, it pulls backwards. Say, like, I'm right-handed, so my American rope, it's going to pull from the right side. So with the Brazilian rope, if I'm right-handed, it pulls from the left side. And it cr- goes across, and so I take the wrap around. It's it's kind of backwards, wrapping your hand backwards and stuff. And what they say is, is what that, how, cause like I say, if I'm right-handed and I'm using a Brazilian rope and it pulls from the left side and I take my wrap, what they say is that pull of that rope is pulling you to the left, so it's pulling you more to the center versus American rope. If it's pulling from the right, it's got a tendency to kind of want to pull you to the right down there. And that's what they say the difference is. And of course, I roll with a, with American rope my whole life. And, you know, it never, it it never felt like it was pulling me down to the right or anything like that. But I know one thing about about the Brazilian ropes is because you're you're pulling that thing from the left. If you go, if you used to buck off away from your hand, it's pretty much impossible to hang up because that's the way that your hand opens up that way. So uh, the the, that's the, really the only difference in it. And, and uh, a, a kid I help, he, he has one. And I don't know if I really like them per se because the handles, the handhold really don't pull down all the way. And, of course, when I was riding bulls, I'd run my hand in there and I'd want that sun gun to pull all the way down. I want to be against that bull's back. But, you know, apparently it works because them Brazilians come over here like a house of fire and taking everybody's money. So if I had to crack back out, I might get me one thing. It might be a lucky charm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know if they had an unfair advantage with their ropes or those guys were just hungrier coming from a different part of the world, you know, coming here to win all this money, holding on a little tighter than the guys. So I, I'm, I just been wondering what, uh, what's made these Brazilians so much better than everybody. Well, I tell you what, it's not the rope. It's it's just like we go talk about. Them guys come over here and they're hungry. You know, they come from from. I got to be really good friends with Robson Palermo. Uh, he's he's uh, won the PBR finals like three times, and uh, you know, them guys come over and, and and you know, it's a poor country over there. But them guys come over here and they're hungry and and, and they work at it. You know, them guys are tough. They're out there every day. They're working in the gym. They're lifting weights. And they work at it, and they put more work into it than than uh, the Americans. And I remember when they first started coming over here, and I mean, they're, you'd I'd hear the guys say, "Man, them guys need to go back to their own country." That's thing, you know. I'm thinking, no, you just need to work a little bit harder if you want to beat these guys. <laughs> it ain't. I said it ain't nothing about where they come from. It's just, they're out working your ass. <laughs> the world champion, not the USA champion here, boys. Yeah, yeah, and and that's and to me that I mean that's with any I mean I've I've seen guys some guys have so much natural talent that they didn't have to work at it. You know, it was just it just they didn't work out or anything like that. I mean, they just was Justin McBride. He was one of those guys. He never worked out or nothing. You know, he's two time PBR world champion, and the guy was just I mean he just kind of a freak but he could do it and then there's other guys that you know that that work out at it and 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 to me i always wanted to 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 try to be the best so i was going to put in put in work you know and to me i think that that makes it what it makes a champion is the guy that puts out the work and puts out the effort 
And I mean, you look at any great, you look at Trevor Brazil. I mean, you there's probably can't count how many times he's practiced or roped in the practice pen or the, the days, the countless hours of just riding down the road to taking his kids to school, roping an air steer or whatever, you know, uh, uh, and that's something about a champion to me is they're always working. They're always striving to get better because they never think they can quit learning, but they want to get to that next level that they think they can be, they can get better and get better and get better. And to me, that's what makes a great champion. Besides the work ethic, what makes a good bull rider? Is it balance or uh, strength or, or what, or all of the above? I think it's all of the above. You know, you got to have – you got to have some balance. You got to have some, and I think it too, just a good old bear down grit and try. What makes it makes a good bull rider, and, and some some they never give up. They never quit attitude. Right, right. What was it? Donnie Gay used to say, "If you don't land on your head, you're not trying hard enough." Something like That's that. That's right. That's right. You know. Or, or, don't quit, don't quit trying to get back of the head hits the ground. Right, right. <laughs> and you see anymore, you see a lot of guys just hop out there on their feet, you know, and stuff. You know. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you're right about that. I think the sponsorships in this PBR, these boys are doing pretty darn good before they even nod their head on a lot of times. Are they not, Matt? Oh, yeah, of course. You know, like I say, I wasn't in the PBR much, but, you know, the sponsorships have really come along, too, and – you know, and and it's kind of like a, I think a guy's mentality can kind of get like a like a NFL players or something, or, or you know, like you see them guys, well, they got a million dollar contract, well, they get hurt, well, I'm not going to perform, right? I've already got the money, you know, and I know for me when I got my my big sponsors and stuff, and it was a big check, and it was kind of relief off my back, and it's like, well, you know. I kind of had some thoughts. Well, I'm not going to have to go as hard now. And then I went to think, I said, no. I said, this, I can't rely on this. I said, I'm going to be the best. I said, I'm not going to rely on this. This is kind of like a bonus money or whatever. I said, I can't. I'm not going to use this as a cushion in my life. And and that's the kind of mentality that the thoughts will get sometimes. Well, I can slack off or, or you know, that's kind of like in, in 05 when I wrote, I I kept a vision in my head that I was in second place the whole time. That there was a there was a dark horse guy in front of me that I had to catch, and of course I had a way out. I had an eighty thousand dollar lead over second place going into the finals, but I kept that. I had a mindset that I'm in second place, and then I kept this dark horse. And and you know, of course we can't we can't let the money or the or, or the fame and all that define us or overcome us or, or, well, the pro, well, the pro rodeo says, I'm first right now, blah, blah, blah. Well, Cause there's always somebody right there behind you. that's going to want to catch you. <laughs> no, rodeo is very humble in sports sometimes. It is, you know, and, and I tell you what, I, I, I miss it every day because it was such a, a free way of life, you know, getting to travel all over the United States and hanging out with your buddies and, and, uh, you know, the camaraderie with your buddies, that's probably what I miss the most uh, about rodeoing. And, uh, you know, and it's still, it's so funny that people still remember who I am to this day that, 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 uh, you know, that might have met me one time. And, and that was one thing that I, I, I love to do is I would stop 
and I would talk to anybody, you know. And, and if I, I met you one time, uh, you're you're part of my family for life, you know. I'm I've just always been that kind of person, and that's probably probably the biggest thing that I miss ab- about rodeoing anymore. You know, it's just that camaraderie and that the 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 freeness that you have, and and just just the people also. Who were your traveling partners, Matt? Uh, my rookie year, I traveled with uh, Robbie Conjure, uh, Brian Richardson, and Logan Knibby. Of course, they was all uh, Robbie and Brian had been to the NFR already, and and, and uh, of course, I, I high school rodeo with Brian, and all three of them guys ended up making it to the going to the national finals. But uh, my rookie year, they they took me in on in their wing and, and showed me how to rodeo and stuff, and ended me and all that. Uh, well then, uh, the next two years I rodeoed, I rodeoed with, uh, DJ Domain and Kobe Yates. Um, we, we had a good time. Of course, we was always kind of hopping in with other guys and stuff, but, but, uh, we had a, a buddy that used to work for my dad. Uh, he started driving for us in 2004. His name was Brad Knowles. And, uh, he, boy, he was a driving summer gun too. And I, that was a relief more than anything is not having to drive is spending on that on that driver, you know, we'd pay him 10% of what, what we want everywhere. And of course we had a Capri camper, you know, with a shower and all, all that on it. And, uh, uh, we had a good time. It was had a good time rodeoing. Did you fly much back then, Matt? I flew a little bit. If I didn't have to fly, I wouldn't, I didn't like flying much. I, <laughs> I was right. being scared to fly, Jimbo. I never thought I'd hear such a thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they used to tease me about that. They said, "You get on these bulls, you don't get on no plane." I said, "Yeah, I got a, I got a little bit of control over that bull. I can decide when I want to get off here. <laughs> I, said, I can't decide when I get won't get off that plane." I said, "If something goes wrong, but yeah, if if I didn't if I didn't have to, if we could drive it, we'd drive it." But uh, this is what yeah, I tell people. Uh, Look at the stats. Way more people survive a car crash than a plane crash. End of story. That's right. Well, and that's what I would do when I would when I would uh, fly. When I would I would look at the stats and I would look at the the, the airline that had the, the least amount of crashes. <laughs> so I always went with Southwest because they was always pretty good. <laughs> I don't think they ever. I don't think Southwest has ever had a crash. I don't know if they have or not. You know, but it was like I'm not jinxing. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> hey, what would you guys do in your downtime between rodeos? Um, I knew Col- Colby Yates. Wasn't he some- somewhat of a singer? Did he do any singing on the road while you guys were were uh, traveling a oh, little bit? Uh, oh, yeah. He always had his guitar. Of course, well, he was always playing and cutting up and trying to write songs, you know, and all that. But uh, in our downtime, you know, most of them guys, they like playing golf. I didn't because I, I was horrible at it. So if, if they go play golf, I'd just drop them off the golf course and I'd go wash the truck or something, clean the truck out. But no, if we had some downtime, we might be in a motel or play some cards or go to the movies or putt-putt or, or you know, just try to find something to entertain us for a little bit. But uh, uh, the downtime, you know, Every year around Puyallup, Washington, and, and all that, it was about September, right, right before Pendleton, all that, end of August, uh, we would uh, stay at Myron DeWard's house there in Washington, and we, we would be there for about three weeks, and, uh, you know, all the top 20 guys would stay there, and, of course, we'd 
float the river and cook out and throw horseshoes and just kind of have a good time. You know, I always enjoyed that time of year going up to those rodeos in the north, up there in the northwest. I enjoyed it, but it was a little stressful time of year on top of it, on top of it. But, yeah, uh, those rodeos up there, they treat you good, Jimbo. They treat you real good. And the weather's nice. Yes, the weather's nice from leaving, <laughs> leaving here and heading up there. It's a, it's a, it's a good change. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and it was always it was real nice to relax. And of course, the first year we went up there, we floated the river. Well, then the the next couple of years we was going to, we'd all pile down in there. But they'd had so much snow that all that snow was about running that river. And that river was freezing cold, so we, we skipped out on the on the river floating a couple of years after the first year. But that first year we went, man, there was a, there was a group about thirty of us guys. I got some pictures somewhere around the house, and boy, we had a good time. I mean, we floated that river all day long. Of course, we drank some beer and had a good time. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was going to tell Jimbo. My downtime, uh, all I did to see him was get in trouble ever on on my downtime. (laughs) (laughs) It always had to do with a beer joint or a beer stand. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, I I probably could have got a lot of that. Trouble if I was a big drinker. Of course, when I rodeoed, you know, I wasn't. I wasn't a big drinker. I'd have one every now and again and stuff. But I was. I wanted to attend the business. But there's, you know, there's a couple of my buddies that boy, they they like to get on that beer and they'd get in some trouble. And it was always me trying to get them bailed out or getting in trouble trying to save them. Getting in trouble. <laughs> we all need a friend like you, Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let's go back to your rookie year. Okay. What was it like entering some of those rodeos like Cheyenne and, uh, you know, maybe Calgary and stuff like that when you were getting to go to them the first time? Oh, you know, I guess 2003 was my rookie year, and and, uh, and they actually, that was the year that they changed the rodeo rule. They, you know, used to go to, to 125 rodeos in Macon County. Well, that year, 2003, they had, uh, they changed it to you can go as many as you want to, but you could only count seventy five rodeos. So when you when you called and entered the rodeo, you had to tell them either official or unofficial. So I was I was going around and and uh, was trying to get my qualifications up, and then you know I'd, I'd won some money the first year and stuff, and and uh, so I got in the truck with Robbie and. Brian and Logan and and they would just enter me everywhere they they went you know on the buddy system because it was of course they had all they had their qualifications was up so I had a good chance to get in so if I got drawn out I got drawn out stuff. but uh you know when when my season really took off is is right for the the, the uh, big summer run you know that was the year that they had the extreme bulls and uh, I got entered in in Salt Lake City in the extreme bulls and. Uh, it was uh it was pretty cool walking in there and but them guys was looking at me of course i bought me at this shirt fort worth it was black had these roses stitched on it it was pearl snapping it was pretty pretty snazzy you know and uh i come walking in and you know of course all these guys blue stone cody hancock Byron door tyler fowler all those guys you know they looking at this little old little old skinny four-eyed nerd just thinking well who's this guy maybe he's just carrying their rigging bags or something you know and, uh, well, I show up there, and I ride a really good one in the first round. It was like 87. Those guys kind of went to watch me. On the short round, I drew a bull. I hadn't been ridden much of, of uh, Diamond G's. 
and he'd done been the national finals and stuff. They called him Wanna Dance. And I mean, he turned back right there in the left, and and Terry Don had just won the the the, the tour finale deal on him a few months before. And I mean, here I was, a little old four-eyed skinny kid, just stuck it on this fucking dude for, like it was a day off, you know. Then they went to taking notice of me. And I went, I think I went 26,000 that night. You know, it was the most I'd won at, at, at one time. And uh, then after there, I, I, you know, I was getting in everything because my qualifications. I went from like, I think I went from like 40-something in the world to like 18th. And then I was right up, just kind of out of the top 15 all year long. But, you know, especially going to Cheyenne that year and – uh one of you know a rodeo that you you see growing up and so much history and uh it was it was it was amazing but actually i'd went to cheyenne the year before i drove all the way up there because they had the pbr out there on the stage and uh i remember driving up there and i got there real late morning real late at night and i was woken up by bombs going off and i thought we was being attacked (laughs) <laughs> but what they do is they have these jets that fly over uh, every morning, and then they drop these down these big bombs and stuff to start the rodeo and stuff. <laughs> but here I was laying in this camper. I had a little camper at the time. It was just enough. So I raised up, and, of course, I banged the crap out of my head and stuff, and I'm thinking I'm uh, things are blowing up, and I'm fishing exploded <laughs> and all that. But but uh, you know Cheyenne, it's it's such an awesome rodeo, and and everything that they have going on, and, and the history of it, and you know the wild horse races and the Indian stuff, and it's a uh, man that's that's by far my favorite rodeo of all times, and and, and just the the amount of livestock that they buck and how fast they run that that rodeo, you know, it's a it's a it's awesome. Did you ever have much luck at Calgary? Uh, I went to Calgary one time in '06, and I had I had some luck there. That's when they first um, they they did it. it. It wasn't the entry deal; it was the invite deal. They took the top like twelve from the PRCA, the top twelve from the PBR, the top twelve from the Canadian standings, and they invited like twelve people. And and the way they did it is they kind of shuffled us around and put us in. Uh, pools. You had like a pool A, a pool B, a pool C, and a pool. There was three or four pools, and in each pool, uh, we had to get on like four bulls, and then the top uh, four from those pools. Let's see, there was four, eight, twelve. No, there was three pools. So in 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 each in, in three pools, there was like twelve guys, I think but they took the top four from each pool to uh, the 12 round. They took the top eight from the 12 round to the eight round, and they took the top four from the eight round to the final four round. And uh, I remember I made it uh, – I won some really good money in the go rounds and stuff, and, and I made it all the way to the eight round. And I'd never had anything happen like this before. And I, I was just – win the eight round and get a chance at the hundred thousand and go to the four round. And I had this bull, uh, it's called baby cow town or cow town junior or something of Franklin. And he was a big old red bull and he had big old horns. And, uh, that's so I'm gone. I mean, he 
turn that right there in the gate to the right, and I mean, he was bucking. I mean, kicking over his head, and, and every round I'd see that horn swash in front of my face, and I just kind of blow my chest out, you know. Well, about six seconds, he kind of just pulled me down just a little bit, and that horn caught me on the side of the head, and I mean, he just hooked me off his back. And when he did, he threw me right in front of him. Well, this big son of a gun, he just jumps on me, and he just commences to hook it. I mean, his head is square on my chest, and he just commences to just trying to wear me out. Well, his horns are so big, they're hitting on each side of me. He's not doing anything to me, but I'm pinned down because I can't move. And, I mean, <laughs> he's just he's just going to town, and I see cowboy hats flying. and see, I mean, he's not getting off of me. Well, Daryl Diefenbach, he saved my life that day. I mean, I see the bullfighter slapping him and everything else. Well, Daryl, he just runs, and he just jumps on that son of a gun's head. When he does, he grabs him underneath his neck with his hands where he'd hold on to him. And when he did that old cow town, he just shot up off of me and jumped straight backwards. He just he flung old Diefenbach up, probably 15 foot there, and Diefenbach hit the ground, and that book just smoked the Diefenbach again. But he, if, if it wasn't for Diefenbach that day, I'd still be underneath that bull. <laughs> wow. It's funny how they just get stuck on you sometimes like that, you know, and, and, and they just can ignore what's going on around them, you know. They're, it's just strange. Oh, yeah, you know, and then he was he was – he was uh he was that kind, you know, and I never had one that just camped on me like that. You know, I've been mauled and run over, but that sucker he was he was staying there. And uh yeah, I tell you what, you know, that was my first and only trip to Calgary and, and uh, I loved it. Uh the 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 people, the scenery, you know, the people in Canada to me they're awesome. They're so friendly and just I mean, it's a it's a it's a different country, but I mean, if you ever get a chance to go, it's a it's an amazing rodeo to go to. Hmm. Jimbo's uh, granddad won it back in 1951. Yeah, he won the cab roping in 1951. Really? We've got the bronze here in the museum. Heck yeah! Yeah, it's Heck pretty awesome. yeah, I was sure wanting to. I I sure want to win that because you know it paid a hundred thousand and and all that. That show sure been nice to have. Well, I imagine. Two, Matt, 2005, that was just a, a magical year. I mean, that was a year that cowboys dream about, you know. You must have just felt like you were in the zone, were you? Oh, I, I, I was, Jimbo. You know, the, that year, 2005, and, and uh, you know, every year I'd, I'd set goals, and I, I'd, uh, I'd write them goals on a piece of paper, and then I'd frame them up on a frame in my bedroom. And, of course, I'd, I'd carry them, them goals with Coming off of a, a 2004, you know, being runner-up to the world championship, and, and my goal in 2004 was just to make the national finals, and here I was, came this close to, to winning the world championship. And 2005, you know, that was that was my goal. And, you know, it, the good Lord works in mysterious ways, and, and that was a – I've been blessed my whole life, and – I mean, that, that year right there, I mean, I could do no wrong. I could draw no bad bulls or, you know, and it was just, it's like in everything, like a race car driver or whatever, when they find that perfect car and they get in that zone and they're getting that position, it's everything just flows. And that's how it was. And that's kind of how it was from then on, from 2006 too. You know, it was just the year 2005, everything just went, you know, but, but like I said, going back, I had that I had that vision in my head that I was in second place, and 
there's a guy out in front of me, and, and I had to catch him. And I think that's what helped me so much, too. And somebody asked me one one time, I said, well, did you ride that good because of the money? I said, no. I said, I, I rode that good because I loved it. I said, I didn't I didn't think of the money. I wasn't thinking of the gold buckle. Of course, it was in the back of my head. I said, but I I did it because I loved it. I said, every time I nodded and got on the bull, I said, that I loved it. I loved that feel that drawing a buck and throwing a gun and him leaping up underneath me or drawing one that they may not hadn't been rolled and I said it was just and I said my technique and my form was just I'd worked at it to get to that level and and, and it was just everything was just flowing and, and but my attitude was good too you know I, I believe if I was entered I had a chance to win I remember I remember in 05 we was there at Cheyenne of course here in Cheyenne, we'd always go to Deadwood too, and some guys. And I was winning Cheyenne at the time. And they said, "You going to Deadwood?" I said, "Yeah." And they said, "What do you got?" I said, "Well, I got fire in the court codes. And of course, they hadn't been over seventy points on that throw count all year long. And uh, I said, "You going to go get on that no bucking son of a gun?" I said, "Well, heck yeah!" I said, "My name's in the hat. I got as good a chance as anybody." I said, "He's on the trailer, so they're hauling him for something." They said, "Well, you're crazy. You, you know, I said, well, I'm gonna go get on him." Well, I get there, no deadwood, you know, it's got them wooden shoots and and old fire and he's just a little old short red kind of cow horn bull and and uh I nod for him when I did, I kinda jobbed him in the shoot and he kinda bucked in the shoot and when he did he hung his horn. And that sun gun come out of there and he spun a hole right there in the ground. I mean he bucked and that was eighty nine points and went four right <laughs> down the side of a gun. <laughs> but, you know, it's things like that that could you know, you never know what's going to happen. You know, and that's what I told those guys at rodeo. But, you know, they was all about turning out bulls or this and that. Of course, I mean, I'd turn one out if it was far off, or I just knew he was just a hunk of young. But I said, the, the, the majority of the time, I said, if I can get there, they're hauling this son of a gun for a reason, you know. And I said, and, and I get there, and, of course, firing, he usually just would just hop and skip in a big old circle, you know, right in front of the buck shoot. That day, he hung his head, and, I mean, he turned right, right there at the gate, and, I mean, he did buck. And I get back, and, and they say, well, how was the day money? I said, well, the day money was all right. I said, but the prize money was really good. Said, what the prize money? I said, the, I think I win four or five dollars. I said, I won the bull right there. No, you did. I said, I dang sure did. <laughs> they said, what? I said, yeah. That, I said, that old cow horn sucker. I said, he, he bucked in there and hung his horn, come out back and spun a hole in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you know you're going good. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, it was things like that, you know. But I didn't, I didn't sweat the small things. You know, I took the good with the bad and just, you know, kept a positive attitude. And and you know, I was there to to win first. And 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 if I didn't, and uh, if I tried my best, that's all that mattered. You know, you mentioned saddle broncs a while ago. Have you ever wondered if you'd rode a few saddle broncs that year, year that you might have won the all round? Yeah, I thought about that, and and I thought about. You know, maybe entering in the roping too, but uh, you know it was. And guys was trying to get me too, and I was like, hey, you know, I'm just. I said, I'm gonna have more having more fun on this this bull riding and stuff. But I, I, I probably wouldn't have fared too uh, too well in the bronc riding because I hadn't rode in a while, especially after 
seeing uh, some of them, them northern Bronx, that's a whole different story to Texas Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> them big feather-legged suckers getting bucked now. <laughs> that that $320,000, is that still the record for a single event for a season? Uh, uh, no, sir. Uh, of course, you know, they upped the money. You know, the money's come up since then, uh, especially at the national finals. You know, the national finals to go around used to pay 15. Now it pays like 20. Uh, the average used to pay 40. Now it pays 60. Uh, no, I, I think Sage Kimsey, he's, he's, I think he beat that several years ago. It might have beat it several times. Uh, but, yeah. you know, to, to me, records are made to be broke. Sure. You know? Sure. Sure. Absolutely. I'm sure it's nice to hold it one time for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, you know, pocket. you know, especially, especially, you know, beating Tom Murray's record because he he held it for thirteen years and he did it in three events. Right. And you know, me coming and do it, doing it in in one event, uh, yeah, you know, it was it was a, a special moment and a special day, and you know, and and you know, yeah, the times change, money's changed, it's it's got gotten on up there like it's supposed to you know it is you want to see rodeo grow and you want to see the guys after you uh get better and and get more you know and and uh but yeah you know that that year it was such a you know i think i broke the terry don's record for regular for single season i guess that's right before the finals i think i did that at cheyenne you know and uh you know, those are things that when you're going, you don't think about it. And, and then when it happens, you're like, wow, you know, I, I, I really did something. And, uh, you know, uh, people ask me every day, well, well, do you miss it? And I'm well, heck yeah, I miss it every day. I said, there's not a day that don't go by that I don't think about riding bulls or, or you know, I said, it, it's something that never leaves you. I said, uh, uh, I said, I don't care if you you rode a bull one time or five times or roped the steer, this and that. I said, it's, it's something about the rodeo and the cowboy life that gets in your blood. I said, it, and it, 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 it never leaves you. I work, uh, I work in a coal mine now. I, I weld and work on drag lines and mechanics and stuff like that. But every day I'm thinking about ranching or riding horses or cows or bulls and stuff like that, you know, yeah. because that's where, that's where your peace was at. You know, that's yeah. where your 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 sense of of, of uh, your peace was at in that. You know, of course, you know, the cattle business is kind of tough right now down here. So I'm glad I I don't <laughs> got any cows right now. I'd probably be starving. <laughs> so, really? Really? Oh, we're we're just so dry down here, you know, and, and everything. Well, we were but, awful uh, dry, and we got a two and a half inch rain last week, and healed us right. up, helped us a lot, but. But it's sure been a hot, dry summer. Oh yeah, we we shoot, we have not had. Hey Matt, when you make it out there to Vegas, Sir? hey Matt, can you hear me? Yeah. When you get out there to Vegas to the NFR, what what's it like out there? What's what's it like to be a contestant out there? What's the uh, atmosphere? Oh, I like? tell, I tell you what. I, the the first time I went to the NFR was in two thousand three when I when I won the rookie of the year. Um, I went out there. Of course, they give me a, a five night stay to the five nights to the rodeo and all that. Of course, I had to get all my, my my buckling stuff on the arena floor. So I get out there, and I think it's like the uh, like the fourth 
performance, and then I get my stuff on the fifth performance. And, we, and I go sit in the stands that night and watch. And I mean, of course, it's Vegas, you know. And I'm wow, like man, I almost made it here, and this and that. Well, I'm sitting in the stands, and I'm like, I tell myself, I'm I got to come back tomorrow to get my buckle. But I said after that, I said I'm never stepping foot in this place until I make it. So the next night, I got I had to go on the floor, get my buckle and all that. And I, of course, I had tickets for the next three nights. I just give them away to somebody down the street. I said, I'm not going back. So uh, 2004 was the first year I made it, and I'm like, we get there, and of course, we're doing the grand entry practices and all that, and it's it's just amazing, you know, and it's like, and I'm not really nervous, and you know, people ask, well, you going to be nervous? No, it's just another rodeo, you know. Well, that first night, we start roping our bulls up about Right when the calf roping starts, so we get our bulls roped up, and we're standing on the back of the bucket chutes, and I step back there on the back of the bucket chutes for the first time with that 17,000 people filled in Thomas and Mac and the music and all that, and I'm like, holy crap. I was like, these people are here to see me, <laughs> you know? I said, I've got to put on a show, and it was just, uh, it was, it was a, a feeling I can't explain. It's like, I don't know, probably somebody stepping in on stage to receive Academy Award or something. It was a, it was a feeling that just was like amazing. And it's a feeling that, you know, will never go away and I'll never have again because it was just a, just the, the atmosphere of it, of, of, you know, being at the Super Bowl rodeo, you know, the crowd cheering and, 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 everything going on it was just uh i can't even put it into words I, the, the best i can explain it is it's like think back to when you as a kid to that first really exciting christmas that you woke up to and like santa claus came and put all the stuff there that you bought and you got you like halfway pee your pants and all that <laughs> that's kind of how it was <laughs> what do you guys do during the day out there in las vegas between the performances, um, well, go the down. first, uh, you know, we'd have some autograph signings and stuff, and especially in '05, you know, when I was in the lead and winning and all that, I had to do a lot of interviews and stuff, and go eat lunches and autograph signings, and of course, if I had some downtime, I was going to be on that blackjack table trying to. <laughs> 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 I like that. I like that blackjack table, but. But it, it was a lot of that, a lot of a lot of autograph signings, some meetings and stuff, doing publicity stuff, TV stuff, and you know, try to hang out with my family some, and take him to 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 eat, go walk around at Cowboy Christmas and, and stuff like that. And uh, but I, it, it's so funny because we go to Vegas when we was rodeoing, we'd always go to Logan down in Laughlin there in like March or April, and. Uh, you know, and, and Vegas was just kind of dead. You know, of course, there was still a lot of people that was kind of dead, but seeing the difference between there and, and the time that the national finals is going on and the amount of people that's there, just not at the rodeo, but in the casinos uh, watching, you know, watching it on on the screens and, and uh, you know, the, 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 the people you see at Cowboy Christmas and, and people that you would meet and come talk to you. And it was funny, the, the, the first year I'd made it in 04, I, uh, I was dating a girl named 
Morgan Montello. And, of course, we dated for about three or four years. And uh, we had this deal that uh, if somebody would come up and start talking to me, act like they'd known me for a long time, she would she would just introduce herself. And I'd, and I'd be, oh, I'm, oh, I'm sorry, you know. Because <laughs> you'd meet so many people, and they'd come up there and start talking to you. Oh, yeah, I remember so-and-so. And I'm like, I'd remember it, but I didn't remember this person's name. So she would step in there and say, oh, I'm, hi, I'm Morgan. And I'd be like, oh, what? You know, I'm wearing my manners and stuff like that. So. He's a very recognizable person, so probably he more people recognized him than than uh, he recognized them. Because when when first thing when Jimbo said your name, I said, "Oh, in my head, the bull rider with glasses." You know, so uh, yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, That's what yeah. always stuck out in my mind about you for some crazy reason back in the day. Yeah, you know, Donnie Gay, he gave me the nickname Poindexter because I roll with my glasses. How many times did you break those glasses? I didn't break them, but one time. Really? Uh, of course, I, I I kept a spare set, I, a, a, a pair I'd wear to the rodeo, and then uh, I had a pair that I would ride in. And I was at Gaiman, Oklahoma one time, and uh, I drew a copper top of, of Stacey Smith. And that Gaiman Rodeo Arena, it's kind of like a pea gravel kind of. That's what it feels like. It's that rough, hard thing. I remember old, old copper top bucked me off and, and uh, he threw me right in front of him, and, and I landed on my face. Well, that son gun, he just took his head and put it in the small of my back, and he just pushed me kind of head first across that arena for about five foot, and he broke my glasses, gave me road rash on my face and everything else. But that was, a, that was the only time I broke my glasses. Hey, Matt, Guyman, Oklahoma. How bad does that town need an indoor arena? About the worst I've ever bad. seen. Bad, bad, bad. You know, that that arena's kind of down in that hole, if I remember, kind of. It is. It fills up the water, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's such a, that's a big rodeo, too. You know, they put a indoor arena up there. You know, they'd be, have more events and stuff like that. It but, might uh, be snowing there. It might be 110 degrees there. It might come a flood. And it's going to do it all in the same week during Gaiman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. You never, you never know what is going to happen. You know, that's kind of like Cheyenne. Uh it's going to rain at least one time in Cheyenne. It does every year I went. It's going to have one performance where it's going to rain. Oh, yeah. One time I was roping a steer there, Cheyenne, at Cheyenne Jimbo, and right when I was riding in the box came the hardest rain I've ever seen, and you couldn't even you couldn't even see the steer out there when I went. Yeah. Yeah, they, and they don't yeah. stop it. You know, it doesn't matter what it's No, they, they didn't stop, stop anything. They said, yeah. Cody Garnett, next roper up. Here we go, boys. Right. And then right. came yeah. the flood. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, and 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 you know that that's that's something about some of them rodeos, and it's so funny how it happens. But you know, like Cheyenne, it's gonna. I I I don't know of a year that it has not rained. I mean, did it did it rain any this year? Oh yeah, yeah. they had yeah. big rains this year. It looked like. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're gonna. It's gonna rain some some point. Matt, why when did why did you retire when you did? It was injuries. Uh, Jimbo, I mean, I got in 2006. I was having another another great year, and and you know, I I had a 60 thousand dollar lead going into the finals. Well, two months before the finals, I ripped my groin completely from the bone there at Liberty, Texas, and I went and seen Tandy, and and Tandy told me he says, you know, he said you got two options. He said you can do surgery on this, or you can do rehab and try to ride at the finals. And I said, well, you know, we'll we'll do rehab. So I did. I did rehab for about 
the whole two months and, and got to the finals and I got to, I rode my first bull and I thought, well, man, I can tough this out for nine more rounds. Well, the second round ended up being the, uh, rank pin. And I had a bull how burns called Cooper. He was kind of bad in the box and he's bucking in there and everything else. So I get out on him. Well, I, I didn't laugh about two jumps, but I put so much strain on my stomach. I tore my abdominal wall. And they call it a sports hernia where your guts uh, try to push through. So um, I was I was done after that. So I had to go all the way to Philadelphia to have surgery. And I'd been riding with a torn ACL in my knee since 2004. I taped it up, wore a brace and all that. So I set out all of uh, – I set out about five months of, of 07, was going to come back to riding, uh, was messed with some young bulls at the house. I was healing up from that growing and that stomach surgery. We was messing with some young bulls at the house, and I stepped off the back of the bucket chute, and I tore the meniscus in my knee. So I went ahead and had knee surgery on that, and they repaired all that. And uh, so uh, I kept coming back, and I broke my elbow. Uh, I just kept breaking things. And, and I never, like, form officially retired. I just quit. You know, mm-hmm. I just – my body, it was just an injury after an injury after an injury. And it just, uh, it just, uh, shoot. It's when it, they say when it rains, it pours. And that's kind of what it did, you know. Uh, it was, I broke my face twice and my elbow <laughs> twice and my right elbow once. And it was just, uh, just kind of couldn't do it anymore. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Was that awful hard to give it up? It, it, it was, it, 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 and I think about it to this day because you know, yeah, I would have liked to had a few more years, or, or, but you know, I, I believe everything happens for a reason too. I believe good Lord might have been keeping me from something, you know, dramatic down the road or something. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but and and that's the thing about anything, you know, there's going to come a point in our life that we can't do something anymore. Right, uh, but there's still life after life. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and that and that's a hard thing to 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 understand sometimes because there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about you know riding bulls or ranching or this and that. But when it bull comes down to it, you know, I said, well, you know, my my main goal I got to take care of my family. You know, I work, make a living, take care of them, and. And I think about other things because that's all I ever did my whole life. And I think, well, you know, uh, go fishing or something like that. And, and I kind of enjoy that fishing and stuff. But you, you, you think about it because, you know, uh, I, I think about rodeo and, and every day. Because it was such a part of my life. I think about bull riding and, you know, all the awards I'd, I'd won and stuff. And it, it, it means so much to me. And you know, but when you can't do it no more, you still think about it. Right. You know, it's like a professional athlete, but there's life after life after life. And, you know, I've got, uh, two youngins and, uh, now it's time to go live what they want to do. You know, maybe one day they have grandkids. I'll be chasing around. So, <laughs> you know, there's always life after life after life. And, 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 and that's, uh, uh, something that we have to look at, you know, just because we can't do it no more doesn't mean we can't still be a part of it. Oh, for sure. You know, it's always a there's it's always a part of us. It's something that's never going to leave us. 
Matt? You know, yes, sir. How does a guy recover from a broken face? I'm just wondering. Oh. What's the well, recovery I, process I, like? Is it just like a broken skull? Is it just, I don't even know. Never, uh, well, never met that I many broke, guys that broke their face. I broke mine twice in 2004. I broke my, I broke my eye socket in Fort Worth in 04. Uh, they went in there and he put a plate. He put four plates in, in my right eye socket. And, uh, of course, I woke up, you know, when can I ride? That, that was the mentality. When can I ride? You know, they're trying to tell me what happened. And I woke up and I'm like, well, when can I ride again, you know? So I, I only had to sit out for like a month or so with that. Of course, I had to wear a face mask for a little bit. But um, I broke my face again in 2004 at the national finals in the 10th round. Uh, it come down to the 10th round. All I had to do was stay on my bull to, to win the world. And I had a bull of uh, five-star rodeos down there in Florida or Silver Spurs, uh, called Delightful Doug, and he is a bucker. And I've seen him a couple rounds before buck off Paulo Kramer. And uh, like I say, I'm, I got a chance to win a world championship. And uh, the very first jump out, he throws his head back up, and he hits me right in the left side of my face. And of course, when it did, it kind of knocked me off balance. And, and uh, I just I held on for dear life, and I rode him right to the whistle. I rode him like seven six, and, and uh I remember walking out, my face is crushed in, and my, my, my nose is right in line with my right eye. And I'm walking out, and J. Pat Evans, he's like, hey, sit here, Matt. You, you still might have won the world. And I'm like, J. Pat, I don't care. I said, get me out of here. I'm hurt. <laughs> so, but, so, of course, Tandy actually me, and I broke my, my cheek, you know. And he and Tandy said, he said, um, he said, don't, he didn't want me to have surgery there in, in Vegas because he said the doctor's right next to He said, if you can, if you can stand the, the pain for uh, a few days and get back home, we'll set you up with, with Dallas. I said, okay. But the funny thing was, is we drove out there, me and my driver. So we had a, we drove back and it was so funny getting out at the gas station to get something to drink, use the bathroom. And my face is all crushed in and you know I'm getting all these looks and it looks like I just stepped out of a horror movie. You know? And, uh, but that time they went in there and they had to put, uh, six plates in there to, to, to repair that. But, uh, uh, I like to tell people I'm still handsome on it. So I hadn't gotten any other <laughs> <laughs> Holy moly. I just, well, I've been on the motto. Once they get too big to rope, I eat them just so I don't get my face broken from riding them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, but, uh, I, 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 I had a great career. I was really, really blessed you know and and people ask me if i could do it over again what would i change and i said well i probably wouldn't change nothing i said i probably would have saved more money as far as what i've done (laughs) (laughs) can't have no fun doing that yeah yeah you know you only live once so you might as well just you might as well enjoy it you know (laughs) you know jimbo when he's talking about he everyone else turned out at deadwood that time he went and got on the bull and rode him (laughs) last time i went to deadwood I think I won a little money, but I left every penny there. And then I had to write the secretary a hot check the next morning to get enough cash to get on down the road to Burwell. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'll tell y'all a funny story about Deadwood. We was up there, and it was me and my driver and and, uh, uh, Brian Richardson and Clayton Fultane. Well, Clayton, he's been in that far several times in bull riding. I think he's won Cheyenne and the bareback riding and the bull riding both. 
Clayton, he's a, we called him short bus when we rodeo because Clayton, he's always kind of just the dumb one. I mean, I love, he's a dear friend of mine, but we just call him short bus. And he, he's a little slow, you know. Of course, this is when he was 18, his rookie year or whatever. And he had a, he had a fake ID of some guy, a California fake ID. And we're, we're in Deadwood playing blackjack at one of them saloons, you know? Yeah. And, uh, we're sitting there playing and all this. Well, the lady, she kind of looks at Clayton. She says, well, I'm going to need to look at your ID. And, of course, Clayton hands him this ID of this California address. And, uh, she looks at it. She says, whatever town. She says, where exactly is this in California? And he says, oh, it's just 60 miles uh, straight west of San Francisco. <laughs> well, 60 miles straight of San Francisco is the middle of the daggum ocean. Right. And my buddy starts My buddy starts laughing, and she kind of looks at my buddy Brad because she don't know what he's laughing about. She goes, oh, I know exactly where that's at. I've been there. <laughs> Clayton done lied about him where he lives, but this lady just knows exactly where it's at. She done been there. Well, it's 60 miles out of the ocean. And we got the biggest kick out of that that time. We didn't, we didn't let them live it down forever because it was just a – they're like, Clayton, you, you dumb butt, you know. You, if you're going to run this fake ID, you better get where you're – he said, what? It's 60 miles straight west of San Francisco. Say Clayton, do you know where that's at? That's the middle of the daggone ocean. He said, oh, so we got a good kick out of that, and it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I had one of them, Jimbo, but it said I was from Utah back in the day. <laughs> I got kicked out of the letter buck room. They didn't let me in there with my Utah ID. Oh, man, I've been to the letter buck room. <laughs> I'd tell you a story or two about it, Jimbo, but then – I don't remember them. I made memories for everybody else right, in there. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that was a good time. Yeah. One last thing. I want to put you on the spot just a little bit. Okay. Who, who would be on your Mount Rushmore of bull riders? I need four names. Four names of like probably the greatest of all time? Yeah. It doesn't have to be people you actually rodeoed with or anything. anything, just of all time. Four names. Yep. Um, for the Mount Rushmore of bull riding, for the Mount Rushmore of bull riding, you know, I would have to say, uh, I'd have to say JB Mooney on one of them because, you know, that guy, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's rode every rank bull and, you know, he just had that knock back down mentality, you know, probably, uh, I think he made the PRCA that, bull riding on top again, you know, he, he really brought it back. I feel like the last year. Yeah. The Bulls here. Yeah. He, yeah, he, he so did popular too, you know, a fan yeah, favorite. Yeah. And, and JB's one of them guys. I mean, he's just tough. I yeah. mean, he just, I mean, he, he just pure D just cowboy tough, you know, so he would have to be on there. I would say, uh, Cody Custer, you know, Cody Custer, 92 world champion. And he's such a great ambassador for the sport of bull riding, you know, and, and, and uh, what he stands for in his, in his walk with the Lord and everything. Uh, he'd be up there. Um, I would have to say uh, Brent Thurman. Uh, he, he died at the 94 National Finals, I believe. But Brent was one of my favorite guys watching growing up. That guy would just, I mean, he would just, go to them bulls and, and I mean, just, 
his attitude, and he always had a smile on his face. And, and to me, those those are the kind of guys that leave that lasting impression. And I think as a young kid, that's probably what what drawed me to to Brent was his his demeanor. You know, of course, I never met him, but just the smile on his face and the atmosphere that he put off. And then, and then of course, you'd have to, Lane Frost would have to be up there. You know, just because uh, of the 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 life that that Lane's touched. Even after he's he's gone, you know the lives that that he still touches. When people hear the, the story of Lane Frost and and the person that he was, and and uh, he so just that, that, that will yeah. be Lane just as popular now as he ever was, you know. Yeah, what yeah, kids, you know, and, little kids that never saw him, you know, know who Lane Frost was. What about Terry Don? What about Freckles Brown? What about oh, Jim yeah, Shoulders? You know, what are we gonna do here? You know. <laughs> well, you know, like you what say, about tough it might have what to we have, do here. <laughs> you might have to tap a little bit. And, and and the way I did it, you know, I look at mine, I guess the way I put my route, Mount Rushmore, you know, I went with JB because it's the old school cowboy tough mentality. Cody Custer, you know, that guy, just the impact he's made on the sport, and, and he's still trying to help these guys he's get better. He's a good better. guy all around. Oh, guy. yeah, yeah. You know, and, and to me, I, I think to it look was up to. Uh, exactly. You know, I think my Mount Rushmore will be, you know, basically for the for the guys that I've seen, it's really impacted the sport. You know, that that leaves that that lasting impression. And it was I was listening to a deal about tough, you know, and, and how much Lane changed tough. You know, especially after his death, he said, you know, he said he remembers Lane, you know. He, they'd be late getting somewhere because Lane would stop and talk to every kid. You know, Tuff said, I wouldn't do that. He said, I don't give a crap, you know. But he said, after Lane died, he said, it changed him, you know. And Tuff said, he takes the time and he's going to talk and he's going to sign autographs and he's going to do all that, that stuff now. So, you know, those guys like Lane and stuff has just, just, just changed, changed the uh, – Jim Sharp. What about Jim Sharp? Oh, First Jim Sharp was 10. like – What about Adriano? Was, Jim, Adriano. What Jim, about Adriano? Oh, yeah. He's not American. You know, he can't go on our Mount Rushmore bull ride. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. You know, Jim Jim Sharp one of them guys that could go on there because Jim Jim was a to me, Jim was a machine. You know, you never you seen Jim ride the same way his whole life and I mean he just bowled that chest out there and just sat right in the middle and I mean he 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 rode the hell out of, you know. And, and uh Jim Jim was one of them guys, you know, that just I mean he he done it all. You know, and and Jim was a guy that that worked at it too. I mean, you you've seen Jim Sharp. I mean, that got muscles and forearms, and and just and Jim's a quiet guy too. You know, but he could they called him the Razor for a reason because he was he was slick as that edge. You know, he, and he could ride them bulls. I remember him riding ten when I was a kid at the finals. That really, was really something. Yeah, yeah. There's only yeah. been a handful of guys do that. Three guys. Three guys. Who are Jim they? Sharp. Adriano, Jim, Jim Sharp. and who? Michael Gaffney. Norman Curry. Norman Curry. Gosh dang it. Norman <laughs> Curry. Yeah. Norman Curry. Dave Barry, Texas. Huh. I remember watching I think, uh, Cody Custer ride in the 10th round at the NFR. Wolfman. Little spinning boy. Yeah. I think yeah. this year he might have won the world. That was really something to watch. Yeah, Cody. I tell you what, Cody Cody was a he was a bull riding son of a gun, you know. And and we call him. Of course, I'm really good friends with Cody. And Cody, he doesn't look like he's aged a bit. He looks the same guy <laughs> as he always been, you know. And Cody, he's such a. I mean, what you see is what you get with Cody. I mean, he's 
there's there's no BS about him. I mean, he just he walks the walk and talks the talk, and 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 he loves us trying to help these kids get better, you know. And he's all about you know getting these kids on bulls that they can ride, you know, to build their confidence to to try to get make these kids tough and and try to get them, you know, these parents sending these kids to get on twenty two point bulls when they're not ready. You know, I know Cody's done the junior high finals the last couple of years, and they put the bulls together, and those kids, the the average, their riding percentages is way up and way better. You know, and, and he's all about promoting the sport, helping it get better, helping it grow, helping the helping the kids to get better. You know, not not showing them up and putting on these twenty two, twenty three point calves and putting them on twenty and twenty one point bulls that they can ride and dominate to get that confidence where they're not just getting getting their ass kicked every time you know <laughs> yeah there's nowhere up but up for this sport of bull riding i don't know about the whole sport of rodeo in general jimbo but i know the sport of bull riding it's an endless future for them you know it's going to be as big as the ufc or something one of these days it looks like it It just gets bigger and bigger yeah and i think the only thing where they would have a, a downfall on that as far as like the riders, you know if they got to start and that's something that cody's trying to help them with help the sport of bull riding grow is with the with these getting these kids, you know, when they showing up. I, I remember going out to the Texas High School finals a few years ago, and uh, I'm I'm seeing these high school kids get on 22, 23 point bulls, and they're just they're getting their butts handed to them when that's not what they need. You know, everything has a level uh, of competition that needs to be stepped up. I mean, that's like showing up at the high school finals with bushwhackers. You know, you don't do that. Them kids. There's a different, there's a different level in those kids' abilities, their strength, and, and all that. You know, you got to get to that next level. I know. As for me, when I when I rode steers, and then I rode peewee bulls. Well, it was time for me to get on junior bulls. Well, I got on a couple, and my dad already seen I wasn't ready. Of course, I was mad because I had to stay at the house for a year, but. Physically and mentally, I wasn't ready. And if my dad would have let me go, I probably would have never been a world champion bull rider because I probably would have been hurt, crippled up, couldn't have done anything. And and but but my dad seen that, and a lot of parents now don't see that. They say, "Well, my kid can he he excelled at steer riding. Oh, he excelled at junior bull riding. Well, we got to go to the top level. No, there's steps you got to take to get to that to that process. <coughs> you know, and that's where Cody's trying to help him out. You know, Jimbo, the other day when I was talking, you know, the PBR guys, they need to be selling, you know, their shirts, J.B. Mooney shirts, and mm. whoever, Ed and I, Kamina, whoever the big PBR bull riders, they ought to be selling their shirts just like you can buy your favorite wrestler's shirt when you go to a wrestling match or whatever. Right. But you know something they do sell at those? What's that? Their favorite bull stuff. The bull's got yeah, just a big following right. is the Cowboys, Jimbo. You can buy a plush of the bull. You can buy a poster of the bull. You can buy anything of the bull. But you can't buy anything of your favorite cowboy. Think about that. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. You're Think right. About that that might be a big big marketing deal there. Well, yeah. Yeah, you can buy well, bushwhacker dolls and all that stuff. Well, go to any NASCAR race, and every single NASCAR racer has their own trailer selling their merch, you know? So, yeah, yeah. I think that the bull riders are really missing out not selling bull, ridey, bull rider merch of your favorite rider. So That's right. Boy, boy hit, hit, that up. hit them up about that, Matt. We'll yeah, get, we'll get I'm back in the rodeo to. business as a uh, with this idea, just being the yeah, the t-shirt yeah. guy. You could be the, the get you could be the rodeo for the PBR. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't know why we can't go buy a Matt Austin shirt at the at the, yeah. at the bull riding, you know, or or whoever. It just doesn't make sense to me. I think we should in one of these days. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, there for a while, you know, back in the in the late nineties, you know, uh, they had those trading cards there for the for the PBR. You know, I still got some somewhere, but I don't. You know, that's kind of when baseball cards and all that was kind of on its way out, but. You know, but yeah, I don't know why you can't go somewhere and, and, you know, especially by memorabilia or, or something like that. You know, I used to have a bunch of old sponsor shirts that, uh, I'd put, a, I'd sell like on eBay and stuff, and I'd make some money on them things. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just talking about just a t shirt for your fans. That's it. Yeah, yeah. How many would JB Mooney sell at a PBR event or a PRCA event? Oh, he, he'd sell you out know, every he'd, time. Yeah, I have to reorder oh, yeah. between rodeos, but. You know, because he's got them good sayings too, like "just bad" or 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 this and that. And any of them in the top twenty-five, Justin McBride would still be selling shirts. Uh, oh JW yeah. Hart would still be selling shirts. Adriano on it. Adriano would still be selling. Ty Murray'd still be selling shirts. You know, even the yeah. legends would still be selling their merch. I think. But uh, yeah, and I don't. I don't know why they don't. Uh, they don't really do that. You know. Well, it doesn't make sense to me. You can buy all the bull merch. You can go buy a Bushwhacker doll and a Bushwhacker uh, uh, poster, but you can't guy get the guy that wrote him. Yeah, and it may it may be a uh, you know it may be a deal because well they just need like, to pay know, these guys for it. You know exactly exactly. Hey, if they sell you know, 10 because shirts, give them ten dollars or something. You know, but whatever. The you know as far as like uh, merchandise on like NFL players and stuff like they're. they're 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 part of the franchise, so they're you know they make I don't know if they get any money off of it or not, but but they're getting paid. Well, we went know. to the Oklahoma City Thunder game the other day, and you could buy a jersey of every single player they've ever had on the roster. So yeah, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And you can still buy them at Walmart and uh, Foot Locker and everywhere, you know, anywhere. They sell sports stuff. You can buy some of your. I think you can even buy some uh, plush bulls, like at Walmart and stuff, of some of these bulls. But yeah, none of the riders. None of the riders. Yeah, so that's yeah. All I just kind of been thinking about. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it's kind of you know it's kind of mind blowing that that they don't. Well, you know they got twenty thousand people show up per event to watch these guys. They all know their household names now, but uh, mm-hmm. you can't buy a T-shirt or a cap or a picture for an autograph or anything so i don't know it's something to think about something to think about that's right well matt jimbo you got anything else for matt well just thank him for taking the time out of his day to uh visit with us today and and we uh you know i'm sure when this podcast comes out that your fans will really uh, enjoy listening to you and your old stories and reminiscing a little bit and catching up on what you're doing and now and everything and and we just really appreciate it and, and if you ever get up here in the osage up here in oklahoma why be sure and look us up uh come by the museum we'll give you a tour uh has got a lot to uh kids and family to do we're getting to be quite the tourist attraction now and and we'd love to see you up here sometime yeah well my mom actually i, I told her i was doing this podcast and she'd actually come up there a couple of years ago and, the, and she bought a book from you she bought one of those uh 50 years of rodeo books from there. You know, it it had me in it, but I heard my aunt went up there and, 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 uh, and toured the museum and stuff. So yeah, we would, we, we, we'd get up there sometime. We'll, 
come see you guys. Yeah, we'd love that. And, and I'll let you know when this podcast is going to come out and how to find it and everything. Okay. Sounds hey, good. Well, I got an idea, Jimbo. What's that? This Mount Rushmore bull riding. Let's put Matt on there. It's all right <laughs> with me. There's not an all-around better guy. Nobody had a better year, ever had a better year. <laughs> Seems like Yeah, a, you know, and you know, you talk about 2005, you know, it was just a, uh, you know, I probably win about a half a million dollars that year because, you know, I, I win the, I win everything there was. I won the national finals. I won the gold buckle. I won the, the, the CBR year in and the average at their finals. I won extreme bulls year in and the average at their finals. I won the, the college national finals. Wow. I win, I win uh, my college region. I uh, win the Super Bowl tour. You know, I probably got on. Shoot, I probably, I probably got on two hundred fifty head of bulls that year. <laughs> hmm. I was going everywhere, you know, and, yeah. and uh, well, you got that to when you're that a, hot. You win them oh, just yeah. as fast as you get to them. Yeah, you know that was just a, a, a amazing year. Sure was one for the ages. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you know, recently I got. Last year, I got inducted into the Texas Rodeo Cowboy Hall of Fame, and then this year, I just got inducted to the Bull Riding Hall of Fame. It took I, them long enough. I, I know it took them long enough, and I saw that, and I failed to mention that. I meant to mention that, and congratulations. You know, we're going to be in trouble thank you. on this Mount Rushmore deal. We didn't need, no one mentioned Don Gay on the thing. I know it. He, he can, he's got to be in consideration. Yeah. That's what's hard oh, yeah. about just picking four guys you know it's hard to leave some of those guys off but i like the way oh, matt yeah. did it because he didn't just count gold buckles like a lot of people would he counted other things to what kind of person they were the influence they had on the sport and and that's that you know a person can just use his own criteria when he's doing that mount rushmore and i like the way you did it yeah and that's how i kind of looked at mine it's kind of people that of course there's so many people that's influenced my life you know donnie was one of those guys that influenced my life but you know looking back at it looking back at things now and just looking at things that just people that still impacting lives in, in, in different ways, you know, not just in, not just in bull riding or, or for the bull riding sport, but just in, in people's lives in general, you know? Right. Right. Well, Matt, we sure appreciate you coming on today. Thank you for taking the time. Hey, thank y'all for having me. It was my pleasure. If I can do anything else to help you guys, y'all just let me know. Jimbo, this guy's a tough son of a gun. It just dawned on me. He told me he was doing some welding, and I looked at the date. It's the 2nd or 3rd of August right now, and he's uh-huh. out there welding. Holy moly. Well, I'm all, like I say, today was my day off, but we was out there, I don't know, it was about, I don't know, about a week ago. Of course, I work on on these big old drag lines in the coal mine, you know, so we might, you never know what we're going to have to do, but I don't know, about that was two or three weeks ago, it was like 110, and we had a big break. Me and a buddy was on the side of that machine, and we didn't have no shade, and we was in direct sun welding for 12 hours straight. <laughs> well, Matt, I, I was a welder for like 41 years myself, and, and in the oil really? field, in the oil field yeah. here in Oklahoma, and I know what you mean. You got to get it, and it's always the best weld they got that's down or broke that you got to be fixed, and, and it doesn't matter what yep. the weather is, and, and I, I understand. Hey, they don't yes, pay sir. you with their own coal mine money, do you? You have to spend in the coal mine store there in town, do you? No, oh, no. Okay. Just well, making sure they're not treating you like that. No, <laughs> no, no. And it's, you know, and it, it's funny because people say, what do you do now? You know, I say, I work at the coal mine, of course, I automatically think, man, I don't want to go underground. Well, it's not an underground mine. You know, it's a surface. It's a surface mine. And uh, and it's down here in Central Texas. 
course, they're fixing to open another one up uh, close to me, so I may try apply for a boss's job one day. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, Matt, try to stay cool and welding this time of year, man. I will. Y'all have a blessed day. All right. You thank too. you, sir. Thanks, Matt. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was a good one, Jimbo. It sure was. Until next week, this has been the Cowboys of the Osage podcast. See y'all later. Old stories like long lost friends, rodeos and late night bends, history before our time. Round pens and pasture rides Cowboys of the Osage